Good morning. It's really good to be here. It's really good to be with you. Um, I'm just going to go straight into the passage, and then we'll have a bit of a conversation about where we're going next. Well, where I think we might be going next. So um, let's read from Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. If you don't have a Bible, it's up on the screen for us to read along. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I know it's a hallelujah already, isn't it? (laughs) That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I just think this is just an amazing scripture. Like, it speaks for itself. It's so powerful. It has hit me right here. And I just think it's just such an encouragement for us. So the plan this morning is just to give a little bit of background, linking it to last week's talk, which I would recommend wholeheartedly that you listen to. That was Terry. Um, And just the, the two parts of the passage are just intrinsically linked. Also, we're going to have a, just draw a few points out. I think there's just so much in it. So we're going to do a bit of a general thing first, and then we're going to just draw a few points out. So the background. As I said last week, Terry spoke about the first part of the passage, and he gave a lot of background as to where Paul was at and stuff about the Ephesians. So please catch up on that. I'm just going to give a brief overview. Um, Paul was in prison. So he wrote this whilst he was in prison. He was this excited about God whilst he was in prison. And the letter may well have been designed to be read out to the region, not just the one church in Ephesus. And Terry mentioned how the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit goes all the way through this chapter, and we can still see that now. And hugely in this chapter, in Christ. He's done everything. We're in him. He is the reason. He's the reason. All of the stuff we've talked about in communion today, all of those wonderful worship songs, he is the reason that we are saved. He is the reason that we are here. He is the reason we've got this hope. Everything is in Christ. And Terry also talked about past, present, and future. And I think that comes through again here. We've, he chose us. We're in him. And we've got this promise for eternity. Whatever doesn't happen here, we've got heaven to come. (laughs) How exciting is that? So the whole passage is full of truth, and I believe it's really powerful, and it talks about God's power. Paul, I think it just comes through in this, that he just loves the Ephesians. 
He's just loving people whilst he's sitting in that prison cell. He's just loving. And he's just reminding them of this amazing truth that they already knew. Right at the beginning of our passage today, in verse 15, it says this. He said, it's up there now. It says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. He's excited about their faith in Jesus and he's excited about their love for people. And he's loving them. And I just think there's something in this love that's there. He's excited about their love for the people. Love, Jesus tells us, is key. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he said, that's our first commandment. And then he says, and the second is, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So love is just everything. And here's Paul saying, I really love the fact that you love each other. I really love that. And Paul is highlighting their faith. Who have they got faith in? They have faith in God. They have faith in who they are because of Jesus. They have faith and their love. And Paul's heart and passion, I believe, comes out about love, but it also comes out about prayer. He's in a rotten prison cell and he is praying his heart out for another church. And he's telling them that he's doing it. He's just oozing prayer. I don't know about you, would, would you be praying for loads of other people whilst you're in a prison cell? I hope so. I hope that would be my heart. And this is what Paul is doing. In many ways, the odds were against him. In many ways, it was looking pretty bleak. And his heart was to pray and tell these people that he was praying for them. That just really encourages me. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. And he's saying that he wants them to receive wisdom and revelation. Wisdom and revelation. So they already know about Jesus, but he wants them to have wisdom and revelation. They already know that God is powerful. They're already saved, but he wants them to have wisdom and revelation. And this revelation, it's kind of, I was trying to think, well, what does it mean then about the revelation? And I was looking it up and I was, I was having a good look around and I kind of landed in the place it's disclosing stuff that otherwise we don't know. But in this case, we do know it in our head. So the revelation is disclosing it for sinking into our spirit. We don't know it in here. We're not always carrying it around in here. And that's what he's saying to the Ephesians. He's saying, you know it, and I'm praying for more revelation. More revelation of what you know. More revelation of what you've got. More revelation. And what's he revealing? He's saying, I reveal hope. I've got revealing of hope. That's highlighted there. I'm revealing glorious inheritance. I'm revealing incomparably great power. That's what I'm praying that God will be revealing in your heart. So he's saying, I'm praying, I'm praying that this is what will be revealed. All of this stuff that you know will be a revelation in your spirit, like a bang in your spirit, a revelation of wisdom in this. That their eyes of their heart would be enlightened. What is the significance of knowing his hope? What is the significance of knowing his glorious inheritance? These songs, again, they were just hitting me today. Inheritance after inheritance after inheritance. We have so much in Christ. Eyes of their hearts to be enlightened about his power. 
His power. Same yesterday, today, and forever. His power. So, yesterday, today, and forever, we're in the today. John Stott, theologian, says this. What Paul does in Ephesians 1, and therefore encourages us to copy, is both to keep praising God that in Christ all spiritual blessings are ours, so we're to keep praising God, and to keep praying that we may know the fullness of what he has, the fullness of what he has given us. So we're praising him for what we've got and we're asking for more knowledge, more revelation of what he has for us. Our faith is in our Father and we can show love to him and to one another first. And we can praise him for all that we have and we can pray that he will make everything fuller known within us. What is the fullness? What is the fullness of what we've got? What is the fullness? I just want to pray that God will start revealing to us. We're a body together, but we all play our different parts. What is the fullness that God is revealing for us? I'm just going to pray. I ask you, Lord, to speak really clearly. Like Paul was praying for the Ephesians, I pray that you bring revelation to all of our hearts. Revelation of the fullness of what this is that we have in you. The fullness of your hope, the fullness of your riches, the fullness of your great power, the fullness of what Christ has already done, the fullness of being in him and being ready for you to move. Show us what that is. Come in power, I pray, in your name. Amen. Do we sometimes need a reminding of some of these truths? I think perhaps I do, anyway. Um, Paul is coming from... As I said, this not-so-comfortable prison cell, and he was remembering the truth. And what was the thing he did? Like I said before, he was just passionate about prayer. He, wasn't, he didn't say, this is your next evangelism strategy. Nothing wrong with that. He didn't say, this is your next teaching series. He didn't say, this is your next big issue to face. He started with, this is what I pray for you, that you will have wisdom and revelation about what you've already got who you already are, what you already have. And I just think we need to see the significance of this. He's just saying this is important. Our eyes of our hearts need to be enlightened as well. And have we, I'm asking a question that's really generic, which I know the answer is yes, because it can't just be me and other people I've spoken to. Have we ever seemed to know this stuff, know this stuff, know this stuff, and then just feel totally flat? Totally like, well, just plodding through life at the moment. Like, do we ever get to that place? I'd like some nods. <laughs> yes, we do, don't we? We get to this place of, and we don't quite know what came upon us. We're just like a bit blasé about what we have. A bit cold, a bit distracted, maybe disinterested even. And often it's when life gets tricky or life gets busy or families get messy or our health gets ill. <laughs> Bad things start to happen and we start kind of we know it, but we're not living in the fullness of what we know. And I think we all relate at some point in our lives that that is true. And sometimes we just realise that we're missing the point, and we're realising that we're missing just how big and how amazing God is, and just what that truth, that honest truth that we know in our spirit, we're just not living by that. So do we want... 
to see the promises of the New Testament, the promises of where this passage is taking us in our lives every day. Yes, we do, don't we? We want this power. We're told that the power is the same. The same resurrection power as raised Jesus from the dead is for us. The same. Do we need reminding of these truths? That song, have you come to the end of yourself? Sometimes we come to the end of ourselves. But Jesus is calling. And our Father brings forgiveness. And he brings us a way back. And he shows us what we have. I've been reading this um, amazing book. I've been reading it, I think it's probably the third time I've read it, um, by a guy called Simon Holly, called Sustainable Power. And I'm reading it for a very specific purpose. This time I'm going chapter by chapter and just thinking, what, God, were you saying to me? Um, And in, in it, he talks about the fullness of what God has. And he talks about how he looked back at the New Testament miracles, how he looks back at how exciting life is. Not only exciting, it was pretty tough too for the New Testament church, let's remember that. And he just thinks, well, why aren't those things happening at quite the same level as they were then in my experience? And the book has a lot to do with that, which I won't go into, but that's his question. If this is true, that it's the same today as it was then, why isn't some of this happening? And so he just talks about that a little bit and he talks about all different things. But he landed in a... a, place which was he kind of didn't mind and that really challenged me he was like I don't really mind that it's not happening because after all God it's yours you're in control and I wonder whether any of us have related to that we're like we'd like it to be happening now but we know that God's in control so it's up to you and I don't think it's a bad place to land in at all but he got challenged that he was just accepting that there was nothing on his part to play it was just only about God does that make sense? He was just challenged that, well, maybe, maybe Simon, maybe there's some things in your life that you're just not expecting this because of. Maybe there's some stuff that you put in that you're distracted by. Maybe there's some things in the way. And then he talks about what these things are that are in the way. What are the things that could be in the way? And he calls them the rocks because he reminds us that Jesus says that whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit presence is for all of us, he believes, and the rivers of living water will just run through us. And he's like, well, why isn't it running quite as fast as it should be? Is there anything in the way? And then he talks about these rocks that might be in our river. What rocks might be in your river? What have you put there? What's there? What's sticking in the way of the Holy Spirit? just flowing through you and you being open to him working through you and he talks about these rocks and things like self-reliance judgment of others or bitterness or unforgiveness or fear or not living as a child of God living like an orphan just not quite thinking God's going to lavish his love on you pride or control or whatever other rock might be yours that God's going I think you've put that there right now not that God talks like that that's a little bit squeaky and so what is it what is the rock that might be in our river now it's not the only thing because all sorts of other things might be in the way for God but actually our responsibility is for us to take our life seriously before him isn't it and is there anything that's sitting in my life I'm asking for revelation in my life that he might show me I wonder whether we can be encouraged to do the same. 
Shall we pray that our hearts will be enlightened, that revelation and wisdom will just come to us and we start believing in God's unlimited supply rather than our rather limited supply? (laughs) Are we believing in his unlimited or are we relying on our limited? It's not about us using our resources, it's about us totally relying on his resources. Absolutely. But are we looking do that are we looking to him are we asking for him to come in power like he did like he does for some of us here we don't yet know any of this stuff because we've never ever entrusted our lives with Jesus we are kind of sitting on the fence as to whether this is true or whether this is not true Um, and I just pray that we would if we're sitting here today and that's you I just pray that God again will start revealing his heart for you his, his truth about who he is for you and that you will start to know that revelation in your spirit. For others of us, we may have known this for a long time and we may have just related to being a bit flat or whatever. Maybe today is a day to start to step out and to say, I don't want to be cold, I don't want to be distracted, I don't want to have rocks sitting in the way. Maybe it's my time to just say, I want to be an equipped child of you, God, knowing that I have your presence in me, knowing that I can rely on you for the next thing you prompt me to do, the next thing that you put on my heart, I'm in your strength, not mine. Maybe we've forgotten the significance of our salvation, the significance of what was coming through in the worship songs today, in the communion today, the significance of what that means for our lives today. And maybe they've got some rocks in the way let's be ready I just pray that we're ready to respond to his prompting there was a guy called William Randolph Hearst I got a photograph of him he looks a bit of a geezer doesn't he he was around in the 20s and 30s and he was a real businessman and he kind of kind of influenced politics and he was an amazing art collector he if he saw a piece of art he had to have it and he had what seemed to be unlimited supply of money in order to buy it so one day he said to his um, employee, there is the two pieces of art I've got to have and I will spend any money in order to have them. So he sent him off to source these pieces of art. He found them and he took this guy, um, William Randolph Hearst, to see the pieces of art. And when he got there, he was like, hang on a minute, this is my lockup garage And he took him to his own garage because he'd already got them. He had so many pieces of art, he didn't realise he'd already got these two that he'd seen. He had to have them, but he'd already got them. I think we can see the point. We've already got the power and presence of God in our lives. He's already done a great work in those who believe. He's already changed our lives We already have him. We already know his power. But sometimes we still look for it and we're like, actually, we've already got it. We've already got you, God. Do we receive his love? Do we expect his presence and power? Do we remember that he's there? Or do we try and do it on our own and look for ways of doing stuff? And he's like, here I am. I'm already there. So I want to just go back to the text again, the one that I've got highlighted those things that I mentioned before, we're just going to pad out very briefly each one of them. 
and then we're going to have some applications. So Paul wanted the church to know more of what God is like. And I just love the fact that he was saying, I want you to know him more. I want you to know him more as one of his prayers. Wisdom and revelation about knowing who God is. Are we wanting to know him more? The second, Paul's prayer, that their hearts to be enlightened to the hope that they have. That song today we sang said, when he said, it has finished, our hope had just begun. Our hope had just begun. Jesus' death and resurrection, defeating all the powers that be, defeating death itself, he gave us hope. Are our hearts enlightened to just how much hope we have in him? Paul tells us in scripture, in Romans, he tells us that we are predestined to a hope because of Christ. In Christ and in our Father's care, whatever we face, we are in. We are in his family. We are accepted. We are loved children of God. I've really been pondering this in. We're in his family. We are in his love. We are embraced by our Father. And um, some friends of ours have adopted a little boy. And they sent some photographs through to us of the early days when they were just meeting him. And this very tentative little chap on mum-to-be's knee, as he was just meeting her for the first time, just looked, well, everything you'd imagine, really, of a shocked little boy. And now, fast forward, he's been in their family a year. And you just see a secure, happy, beautiful little chap who's a sibling to his siblings and a child of his parents. He knows he's in. He's got security that he's in their family. And I just thought, I'm reflecting on that, that we can have that same confidence. And where we haven't had as much confidence, we can have it again like this little boy's life changed when he knew he was in. We have that because of Christ. We have that because we are in Christ. We are in. We are adopted to a certain, a certain hope. Not kind of fluffy, fuzzy hope that the world might say, oh, I hope. Not that kind of hope. A certain hope because we're in. And we are rich Paul prays that the, hearts of, the eyes of the hearts would be enlightened to know the glorious riches of, his, of God's inheritance for those who believe. We are rich. In our culture, rich largely means wealth, doesn't it? Wealth money-wise, wealth materially. Here, rich is so much more. So much more. Paul is speaking directly into their culture too, and I think we can apply it to us. When we think rich, are we thinking an inheritance that is eternal? When we think rich, are we thinking an inheritance that whatever's going on in life, we have peace and hope? That is rich. Inheritance of a value that God places on us when he puts that seal of approval on us in the earlier chapter, earlier part of the chapter. So that's pretty something, isn't it? We are rich. It is abundant and it is extravagant. God puts us in a place where we have more than we can imagine. More than we can imagine. And that's for us who already believe, and it's also for those who we know 
and those we don't yet know who don't believe. I think my eyes and my heart have been really enlightened this kind of Christmas New Year period about all, all of my family and a lot of my friends who just don't have this hope. An enlightened heart for them, a passion for them who just don't know it. I wonder whether we've got people on our minds. Some of us, our family and our friends, live without this knowledge of security in their inheritance. So for us, are we believing in the power of God that he can break through, even when we can't see how he can break through, but he can? And is he revealing to us wisdom as to what our part is that? And is he showing us love for those who don't yet know him? And is he giving us a revelation in our spirit that our eyes of our hearts will be enlightened and opened to whatever he's prompting us? Are we stirred to pray for revelation for our work colleagues, for our friends, for our families, whoever it might be who doesn't yet know Jesus? What are we stirred for? I heard just a fabulous story the other day. Um, Someone just decided that God had stirred them and they just stepped out at work and said, I'm a Christian. Um, They asked them to come to tea and testimony and they came. They asked them to come to the um, big questions and they came. Some people are coming to Alpha. Like That's not always our response when we talk about these things in work. But they were willing to step out and say, I am a Christian, I believe this stuff. And people were interested enough to ask the question. They might have done that, and they didn't. But the courage and boldness for just stepping out and talking about it was where God honoured them and gave them their peace. That, you know what, it's about him. And these people are coming on these things. I just thought it was an exciting, exciting um, story to share with you. So what does Paul also pray? He prays that the um, eyes of the hearts would be just enlightened again to the immeasurable greatness of his power. For us who believe according to the working of this great power. He wanted them to remember and have further revelation that God's power is at work in them and through them. God is powerful. The power of God is bigger than we can imagine. And I just wonder, do we make God as big as he is in our minds or do we make him smaller? Do we put in all of those things that we talked about before as reasons why he's not going to move? What is it? He is a powerful God. He is a powerful God. Let's read the last bit of the chapter. Verses 19 to 23. It talks about his power in such a way I think if I try and say it, I'm not going to say it as well as this does. This is 19 to 23. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated at him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in that one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So, we've read it before, but I thought it just needed reading again. This section gives us further revelation of God's power, and also a confidence for those who are disheartened about unanswered prayer. There's a confidence, and you know what? God has you covered. 
past, present and future. God hears your prayers. He is still God. He is still eternal. And eternity is something real to put into the power and presence of God. If we're waiting for prayers to be answered, some of those answered prayers happen in the future. Some of them happen then. Are we expecting that they happen now? And are we hoping in him for the now? And are we aware that we have an amazing hope for the future? Both of those things are together about the power of God. We break through the needed and they just don't seem to be happening. We are living in the tension of the fact that in heaven there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. And every time an amazing miracle happens, we're grabbing a bit of heaven on earth for the now, which is God's promise that he will come in power and break in now. So that we live in this little bit of a tension, so a huge tension when it's your prayers that don't seem to be being answered. But it's the now and the yet to come. And this passage gives us a true hope in that. True hope that it's in God's power. And also, there is a spiritual battle. And he has won it, but sometimes we seem to be sat in it. Where do we turn? We turn for revelation that our hearts will be enlightened about what we have. That's where we turn when we feel like we're in a battle. That's our, our bit, isn't it? That's our responsibility. Where do we turn when things look tough? We turn to him, his grace, his love and his power. So, in conclusion, there's some questions for us. These are questions for me. They're questions for us. Are we open to just know him more? Are we ready for further revelation and wisdom in our lives? Are we fearful of this happening? And if so, why? Do we have some blockages, some rocks in the way? Do we always act like we're children of God or do we sometimes act like we're orphans that aren't ready for the lavish truth of what God has for us are we cynical are we judgmental, are we bitter all of those things What are we open to just know him more do the eyes of our heart need to be opened to the hope, to the riches to the power of God and one more response that I thought just came through the passage like I said right at the beginning is God really highlighted Paul's passion for prayer is he showing us the importance of prayer if we're feeling like we're in a prison cell if we're feeling like life isn't going quite how it is can we learn from Paul's example here that do you know what this is when we pray do we pray that others will know him Do we pray that others will know his hope? Are we praying from our hearts with a revealed love for God in our hearts and his love for us? Are we praying? So you had your flyers today. Good timing on the flyers about the prayer projects that we can connect to in church. We can also pray individually. The Bible tells us very clearly we can go to our room and just pray. We can pray the Lord's Prayer. We can pray, oh, Father. We can pray. How can you connect to prayer more 
Do you want to join with others in prayer? It's a scary thing and sometimes we can find prayer things a little bit dry and we don't know what to say and all of those things. But the passion for prayer comes as we draw close to God. The passion for prayer comes as we know who he is and what he has for us. Okay, I'm just going to ask the band to come up and we're going to respond personally today. I just felt really prompted that um, it's just between us and God, but as a liner in the sand, um, there's going to be a place when I say, would you like to just stand? And then we're going to pray and then we're going to worship. So I'm just going to say what I think God put as our... Um, some points. I mean, you might be responding for something very different that God's just been chipping away at your heart for all the way through the talk. But today I thought this, this line, is it time? Is it time? Um, is it time for revelation and wisdom that you want more? Is it time for further understanding of what hope is? Is it time to live in the richness of his inheritance? Is it time for the power of God to just move? Is it time to step out in prayer? Is it time to come to return to faith? Come or return to faith. Is it time to truly love him and love one another? Is it time to get rid of some of these rocks that may have been distractions for us? So as we pray, maybe that's you or maybe there's other stuff going on. Also, I thought... Are you concerned about people in your family who either do know this but aren't living it right now? For people who are away from God or people who just don't know it at all and you want to stand for their salvation today just to say, I am ready to do my part, whatever it might be. Are we ready to just say, this is my line in the sand, as it were, to respond to God today. So whatever it might be in you, I'm going to pray in a second, but... If you know the God is speaking, if you know that he's prompting you, let's just start to stand now. And Ben, could you start to play as well? I'm just going to pray.